When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's time for the 49ers Rush Podcast. Here's your host, John Chapman. All right, welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I am your host, John Chapman, and hopefully you are enjoying your weekend. It's a little bit of a different weekend. You know, with the 49ers playing Monday night versus the Browns, it kind of puts the schedule off <laughs> a little bit. Um, but that's okay. Hopefully you're enjoying some college football and some family time. But what we're going to do today, uh, very excited about this episode, turning into probably one of my favorite episodes each and every week, is our breakdown. Uh, finished all of my film analysis, scouting report on the Browns, offense, defense. We're going to go through all that. Uh, players we could take advantage of, players we need to watch out for, uh, different schemes, things that I notice, tendencies, and all that. So it's going to be a little bit of a long episode, but that's okay. Uh, we are here for the 49ers, the first place 49ers. And... You know, it it's it's quite interesting. Anytime you have two teams that are in first place in their division and they go up against each other on a Monday night football game, I don't care how early in the season it is, it's a big game. Uh, one, everybody's going to be watching us. This is kind of – the 49ers haven't gotten that much respect from the national media, which you don't want to put too much stock in anyway. But the idea is this. Every single person that is an NFL fan across the entire United States, including every other team and media person, will be watching this game. It's in the 49ers' backyard. If if you want respect, you got to go take it. And that's going to take place this game. Now, here's the thing. The Cleveland Browns are a very, very good football team, but very similar to the 49ers, they are inconsistent and they have a lot of holes throughout their team as far as consistency goes, uh, major injuries as well, which we're going to go through all that. So uh, let's jump in just real quick, and I do want to give a shout-out to DeForest Buckner first before we get started because he did something last week that uh, I missed. Matt Mayoka pointed this out to me. Uh, DeForest Buckner last week, the last game that we played in Week 3, had 10 tackles, 1 sack, 1 forced fumble, 1 for- fumble recovery versus the Steelers. He's the first defensive lineman since 2001 
to do so. That's 18 years. Vonnie Holiday, which is going to be a Jeopardy question one day, was the last player to do so. So just want to say DeForest Buckner, a hell of a job as always, and it is awesome to have Defoe back playing like a you know defensive player of the year candidate. He's definitely outside of that perspective and conversation right now, but he is elite, and it's wonderful to see him put up these types of numbers and these types of plays. So a couple things that I do want to say. I always get in trouble. Uh, I never do this, but um, please hit the uh, like button on this video. It does help with viewer counts and the algorithms and all those things. And if you have not already, make sure you hit the bell on YouTube or Periscope, Twitter, and also, new announcement, the 49ers Rush Podcast has now moved on to Twitch goodness the young people are going to start turning into this show i don't know what to do but uh, we are constantly trying to do everything we can to improve this podcast and make it more available to everybody else so and also while i'm on this page you check out my new t-shirt design the 49ers rush podcast head over to ninersrush.com click on gear uh designing a whole bunch of t-shirts to throw up there if you want some gear a couple people asked for it so i thought i'd throw that up there as well Now, let's jump into exactly what is going on with the 49ers and the Browns um, results and all those things. So, uh, the Cleveland Browns are 2-2. You know, they're tied at the top of their division, but they are currently hold first place just because they have the head-to-head win over the Baltimore Ravens, who are also 2-2. This will be our third team that we have played out of four in this division, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, You know, we've already played Pittsburgh and now the Browns. We have the Ravens to come as well. But they blew out the Ravens last week, um, 40-25 to um, on the road. It was in Baltimore. They also played one of our division rivals, the Rams, and lost by one touchdown. Blew out the Jets, and then they got destroyed, humiliated by the Tennessee Titans in week one. So we have a team that is up and down for sure. And they have a lot of injuries. The 49ers, you know, every team in the NFL can say, yeah, we have some major injuries. The Browns are of no exception there. You know, we could talk about the Akello Witherspoon injury and how that's a big deal. They're missing both their starting corners. So Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are both out of this game. So they are going to be playing with a backup secondary. David Njoko, their young um, tight end that's played very, very well. He is on IR. Kristen Kirksley, their linebacker on IR as well. Uh, Jarvis Landry, who we weren't sure was going to play. He got a concussion late in the game last week whenever he put up over 160 yards. But he has been cleared. He was cleared as of Friday. And the interesting thing about all these injuries is it's affected the Vegas lines a very small amount, but the 49ers were three and a half point favorites that moved to four points up to four and a half or five points on some betting sites that I've I've seen uh, as soon as they announced both corners for the Browns are going to be out. So uh, my bookie, they have the best terms for the 49ers so again you know my bookie is what I strongly recommend I'll be going over a couple of bets the over under is 46 and a half points I bet the over big time on this game um, especially with three of the four starting outside corners being out there's going to be some big plays in the passing game I can assure you that uh, with both of these offenses you know you're going to have Odell Beckham going against Emmanuel Mosley on the outside to start the game, his very first start in the history of the NFL. And who does he get to go up against? Odell Beckham Jr. So uh, definitely not the way you want it written out, but it's the same way on the opposite side, right? So I'm betting the over. If you haven't already, head over to mybookie.ag. Um, 
Use promo code 49ers49ERS. They have everything you need there. They have some insane props up, a lot of different stuff going on. So please, mybookie.ag, whenever you bet and you win, you get paid. Very easy to get money in and out of there. There's a lot of stuff that you can bet on. If you go to their props builder, there's about 70 different bets alone just on the 49ers versus the Browns game. So uh, mybookie.ag, go down to props builder, and you can bet on all these crazy things. And let me, if we allow Vegas who spends more time and money on these prediction processes than anybody else. The one thing that we have to take away from this, George Kittle is going to have a monster game. They have eliminated almost all bets with George Kittle that are just not asinine. So, <laughs> yeah, it's you can't find a bet with him getting, you know, seven or fewer catches. It's 8 to 10 plus catches. It's 90 to 120 yard plus. It's 1 to 2 touchdowns plus. They are petrified of what George Kittle is going to do Vegas and it's almost like they're eliminating these bets because it seems like this is going to be Kittle's played amazing. I'm not trying to knock him, but from a fantasy standpoint or statistical standpoint, perhaps not. Uh, He's the number one player in all of the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, across every single position. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, We'll just have to kind of see what's going on there. So we've got a lot of stuff to get to. There's a couple questions that I want to get to on Periscope, Twitch, and YouTube. So please at me on there if you would like me to read your question. I'd like to get to as many as possible. Um, Here we go. First question, is stopping the run key to winning? And can we? I don't think that it is. I think that you can beat the Browns without stopping the run. You have to make them one-dimensional, and they want to pass for some crazy reason. I don't understand why. Um, Their O-line is awful. I didn't use abysmal uh, for those of you paying attention at home. I stayed away from the word abysmal. I will try not to use the word abysmal. Uh, Yeah, I know I used it three times on purpose there. But anyway. They love to throw the ball. They are 21st in the NFL on rush attempts. They don't like to run the ball. It's, it, it, they run to set up the pass, but it, it's, you know, every team in the NFL tries to do that, but they do it very poorly. They throw the ball way too much. So they are 16th in pass attempts and only 21st in rush attempts. So they're going away from their strength. Which I, I I don't I'm not a Freddie Kitchens believer as far as play calling or coaching or how he handles the media whatsoever, uh, but uh, we we will see what they can do. They do have a lot of top tier talent at those skill positions. The offensive line is suspect at best. Um, definitely not a good offensive line. But with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Baker Mayfield. Their highlight reel waiting to happen, and we we saw that happen last week versus the Ravens who. Got to be honest with you, the Ravens are not what the Ravens used to be. They are not a good defense whatsoever, probably bottom six or seven in the NFL. So you see those numbers get put up against the Ravens, and automatically everybody's like, whoa, what's going on here? Look how great this team is. No, 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 no. You go back and look at what the Ravens have done this year. They're not very special. So the 49ers will be the best defense that the Browns have gone up against, even without uh, one of our stud corners. So. What players on offense and defense will likely have the best game? I'm going to conclude the episode with this, uh, with my prediction. So I want to jump into now just my scouting report and the history of this matchup. Uh, We're going to go through defense, then offense, and then at the end of the episode, I'm going to cover everything about uh, just my predictions for it, MVP, offense, defense, uh, scores, all those things. So uh, history of the matchup, the 49ers are on the short end of this. 
Um, we have played 19 times, and the 49ers lead this series. Or sorry, the 49ers are behind in this series to the Browns, 12 to seven. Browns have won the last four out of five, which. The Browns haven't been good <laughs> during that time frame, but the 49ers uh, were worse, much worse during that time frame. So hopefully we can even that out a little bit. And, of course, with this being on Monday night, you got to make sure you pay attention to They're going to talk about this a lot tomorrow. This is the 49th game that the 49ers have been on Monday night football, and they have been on Monday night football more than any other organization. They have the most wins on Monday Night Football. And with us being 3-0 and against another top-tier team like this that's in first place in their division, you know, the Browns, everybody assumed their odds to go to the Super Bowl were bonkers. It didn't make any sense. They were like the fourth or fifth most favorite team in the NFL. I thought they were way overhyped. But this is what happens in – how do I say this? The common NFL fan looks at quarterback, wide receivers, running backs. That's what's huge. And they don't pay attention to offensive lines, secondary, things like that. And the Browns are awful in that. So it's funny. My 11-year-old asked both my kids, my 11- and 16-year-old, who they thought were going to win the Super Bowl before the season started. And my 11-year-old, who I would equate to probably a little bit more knowledgeable than the common NFL fan, not insulting anybody listening to this. Obviously, we're not common fans here. But he said, oh, I think the Browns have a chance to win, and they got Odell Beckham. And that's the mindset that the common fan has. Uh, who has the new splashiest, flashiest player? Well, they're going to win. Uh, but the NFL's won in the trenches, and I think the 49ers have an advantage in both of those. So let's jump into the defense and talk about schemes, strengths, weaknesses, and all that. Here's their strengths. Their defense is designed uh, with a very, very strong defensive line. There's probably three or four teams that can compete with the 49ers as far as defensive line depth, and the Browns are definitely one of those. You know, you have Miles Garrett for sure, who we're going to talk more about in a little bit, but Larry Okunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, who has just plagued the 49ers no matter where he goes, he has his best game of the year against us for every damn team he's played on. Um, so very, I'm kind of worried about that matchup, to be honest with you. But they've got a lot of talent up front. And because of that, they force a lot of turnovers. They have forced three turnovers in back-to-back games. They get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So they've had 13 total sacks. Miles Garrett has had five of those. They've had 72 total pressures. Miles Garrett has had 18 of those. And whenever you match up their best player on their team is Miles Garrett. He's better than Odell Beckham. He's better than Chubb. He's better than Mayfield. He is the best player on their team. He is going against Justin School. Now, the good news is Justin School got his feet wet, so to speak, last last week or two weeks ago with his first start. Played relatively well. First three quarters, great. Uh, last quarter started to fall apart. We put him in a little bit more solo matchups. He got taken advantage of three penalties within a span of about 12 offensive plays. So um, now he's getting, going up against a defensive player of the year candidate. What is it that Kyle Shanahan I, – I, I put a lot more weight on Kyle Shanahan – than I do on Justin School because School cannot win a one-on-one matchup against him in uh, pass protection. It's not going to happen. Uh, if 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 we leave him one-on-one and we're doing you know three-plus second dropbacks, play action stuff, it's going to be bad. But Kyle Shanahan, it's up to him. He's had two weeks to scheme this up. 
making sure that he has adjustment, he has protection, he has all of these different things on that side. Um, are we chipping him with a tight end or a running back? Are we bringing use check over there? Are we sliding protection to help create that? Are we bringing a, a tight end alignment over there? There's going to be lots of different ways that we're going to do that. And again, this is the chess versus checkers kind of mentality. Yeah, you look at it on paper and you're like, whoa, Miles Garrett versus this guy, Justin School, one-on-one, it's going to be a bad game. But how can we handicap him and make sure that Miles Garrett doesn't destroy the game? Miles Garrett's going to get his. Okay, you're talking about a guy that's got five sacks in four games. He's gonna be get, he's gonna get a sack. You just have to understand that's going to probably happen going against this player. But if it's that, we can still get by with it. Look at what happened with the Steelers in Week Three. Our game plan was to help adjust in school and allow T.J. Watt to go crazy. And T.J. Watt did, but he didn't take the game from us. So it's going to be a very similar mindset to that. Now, weaknesses on this defensive side, so many missed tackles. They are very undisciplined. They're poorly coached. Their alignment and running lanes are not sound. Their gap integrity is not there, especially since they're missing one of their starting linebackers in Kirksley. But they miss a lot of tackles, 35 total through four weeks. That's an average of just over, man, my math is awful, but just under nine missed tackles a game. That is awful defense. So curious to see. You know, we have guys like Mostert and Brita and Debo that can just, and Kittle, of course, that can force so many missed tackles. So if we can just spring a couple of those plays for big time plays, uh, that's going to be wonderful to see. And of course, their secondary is not great to start with. They traded away a few different safeties, but Demarius Randall's kind of injured. He's not doing great. They're missing both their outside corners. This is an injury-plagued secondary that's going to cause a lot of problems for how they're going to call things because they're not going to be able to bring a whole bunch of blitzes like they like to do. So again, we get into their tendencies versus Baltimore. They blitz 14 out of 39 times, which is an alarming, very, very high rate. But versus the Rams the week before, they only blitzed 8 out of 42 times. My guess is we're going to see a closer number to that. I doubt they blitz more than 10 times because when you blitz, you're rolling the dice. Because what you're doing is you're playing man across the... But if you bring five, more than four guys, that's going to put a bunch of man coverage on the back end. Now, the one thing I can say about their defense that they do a lot of times is there's a couple different terminologies for what they like to do. They like to play man free or cover one. There's lots of different things you can call that where basically it's a single high safety, but it's not a cover three mentality like what the 49ers do where the safety is just responsible numbers to numbers in between the field. Rather, they just play press man even with their crappy replacement uh, corners. But the safety has the entire back end and he reads the quarterback's eyes. So Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty good at setting up the safety the way he wants to on those deep reads. But outside of the numbers is going to be wide open. Um, this is Debo Samuel territory. This is Marquise Goodwin territory. Those are some major options that they have available for sure. Um, now, again, traditional 4-3, cover 2 is what they like to do, and they like to roll one of the safeties down, very similar to us, uh, to bring pressure or to match up man-to-man with a, one of the tight ends. They don't like leaving their linebackers matched up with backs and tight ends, but it seems like if you just motion them once or twice, you can create and manipulate, you dictate your coverages that are coming your way. It was so funny. On so many plays, it, it, 
not so much that they don't know what's going on, but it's very simplistic. And so the defense would come out, and you could see what they were trying to do. Okay, They're trying to isolate their safety on the skill uh, running back or tight end uh, against the Ravens. You could see it. They'd motion twice, and then they would check out of it. And so once they did that, the Ravens would snap the ball, and then it'd be one of their linebackers on Mark Andrews, their stud tight end. So uh, nobody is better with pre-snap motions than Kyle Shanahan in the NFL, and I mean that. It's not even close. So Shanahan's going to be able to create, especially with an extra week, the mismatches that he wants. And if we can get Kittle matched up with these backers, then it's going to be fun. (laughs) I I am uh, pretty excited about what's going to happen here because I think – I really do believe the 49ers are the more complete team across the board, and I also believe we have a much better coaching staff. Um, so there, there's a lot of stuff there that we're going to be able to do. Um, we, we're going to make this happen. Um, let's see here. This is a good question. Um, we got to blow this up. I'm going to make a mess in my pants. Michelle is going to have a tough time doing the laundry Tuesday to watch. Just wait and watch. That is awesome. There is more on this game. There's more on this game than any game I can think of in the past six years. Um, you're going all the way back to the Super Bowl appearance that we made with Harbaugh. Um, since then, this is it. We're three and zero. You know, again, I talked about this on the previous episode, but three and zero teams have a seventy five percent chance to make the playoffs. Four and zero, eighty three percent. This is huge. We win this one. Um, it, it's it's going to be hard to keep everybody from running to <laughs> Foot Locker or wherever to buy all those Jimmy Garoppolo and Kittle jerseys. We are about to get some bandwagon fans, so uh, we will see how it's going to happen. Is Tevin Coleman due for a big game? Tevin Coleman, I'm not sure, is going to play. Uh, I understand the videos out there of him practicing. He's had limited practices, limited practices, limited practices. There's no need to rush him back with what we have. Now, if he does play, my assumption is he would be the third guy out there this week. Uh, I still think that it would be Breida first, 100% to be Breida first, then Mostert, then Coleman. But I think they're going to give one more week because, again, it's going to come off of a short week because we're playing Monday, Sunday. So we're going from 15 days between games to six. So it's going to be even shorter. So if if he's 100%, then yes, obviously you want to put him out there. But the main reason why I want to say he is not, because I think that we would have waived Jeff Wilson if he was. Um, I, I don't think that there's a reason really to keep him on our roster if we're going to have those three guys. I just don't see it. I understand he's been very, very effective in goal line procedures. I, I get it, but I don't think that's going to happen. So um, I, personally, if I was betting right now, I'm going to say... I don't think that he's going to be active on game day. Tevin Coleman, I just don't see it. Uh, do you think Jordan Matthews will be active, or is it too soon? I do not think it's too soon. He knows the entire playbook. Um, he's the most experienced wideout that we have. He fits our scheme. He's played all across all three positions. I would not be surprised, and a lot of people get mad at me. I, I know I'm not the biggest Richie James guy, but I think that he could outsnap Richie James and Kendrick Bourne by next week. I think that he will be in competition with them in snaps this week. I do believe that Jordan Matthews will be out there. Um, I, I really do. Um, so, 
Um, at John Chapman, I respect this podcast. Thank you very much. Um, I will be listening. Thank you, Rico. Much appreciated. I love all the positive reinforcement that's come out there. Much appreciated, guys. And again, uh, best ways to support this podcast is by clicking the like button, hitting the notification so that you're always there with our live shows, and asking questions. I want whatever it is you guys want, so please uh, do not hesitate to throw ideas out there. Uh, this is for you guys. Um, so, uh, will we finally play a clean game as opposed to sloppy turnovers? Absolutely not. This is not the game <laughs> for to clean everything up. I wish that was the case, but as I said while ago, you look exactly at what the Browns have been able to do on a defensive side. Olivier Vernon, I haven't even talked about Larry Ogunjobi. They are going to cause problems. They are a havoc defense, very similar to our off a defensive line as well, and they force turnovers. Um, and we know the 49ers have caused lots of, or we give away turnovers. So just some things to look forward to, but I do not think that this is one of those games where we have no turnovers. They're going to get to our quarterback. That's uh, now. Kyle Shanahan, I can guarantee you this, is sitting there with his offensive game plan saying, man, if we can get mass per- max protect and we can get our you know, stud-wide receivers or Debo Samuel, Pettis even, and I really think this is going to be a great game for Pettis because he's going to be matched up in man-press coverage, which he excels at, with not a lot of safety help. So there's going to be a play at this game mark my words, where a slant is going to get taken to the house or we're going to get a crossing route where one of our guys is going to make a linebacker or a safety miss a tackle and he's going to take it to the house. So he is going to try to... You don't want super quick passing the whole game. Uh, obviously, you want to do that against a good defensive line, but there are going to be plays built into the script where it's going to be a max protect. We'll have two guys out there on a route, and we're going to try to hit a big home run. So it's going to be a dirty game on both sides. The Browns uh, haven't got to them yet, but their offense, yikes, uh, as far as turnovers. Uh, Last year, Baker Mayfield was, I think, two interceptions off the league lead, even though he only played in 14 games. This year, he's tied for the league lead with six already. Uh, We want to talk about bad turnovers with Jimmy Garoppolo's four. Baker Mayfield just says, uh, here you go, hold my beer. Um, I mean, the guy's he's a mess. Now, players we can exploit on their defense, there's a lot of them. But the two guys I'm really looking forward to most is TJ Carey, the backup corner. Um, He has allowed 19 catches on 25 targets for three touchdowns and 125.5 passer rating. And then their safety, Jermaine Whitehead, he has just been bad across the board. Six missed tackles alone, three touchdowns allowed, four penalties. And if we get that space, you're going to see a lot of defensive holding calls. You're going to see a lot of defensive pass interference calls, and you're going to see uh, we're going to see a lot of penalties. This is going to be an ugly game on Monday night. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be one of those just back and forth touchdowns. It's going to be defensive penalties. It's going to be missed assignments. This is what the game is going to be. So uh, take that for, uh, take that for what you want, but. If this, if you're wanting this game to be, ha, look, we're a perfect team, we're not. We're not a perfect team, and we sure as hell aren't going to be able to act like a perfect team against this talent, against the defensive line talent or the skill position talent. They're going to force missed tackles. That, that's how they've drafted and traded to build this team is they want players to extend plays, and it's going to happen. So, all right. <laughs> oh man, Angry Potato, awesome name. How worried are you about them putting Dante Johnson in 
Oh, man. As soon as he was released, Dante Johnson, I knew the football gods had no way <laughs> to uh, – yeah, it – yeah, it was great. I appreciate everybody reaching out to console me and make sure I was okay when we signed Dante Johnson back. But there's a chance he's going to get snaps. You know, if we look at, you know, as we transition over to the Browns offense, Jason Verrett's out. He's on IR. Is there a chance he can come back? Yes. You only get to bring back two players. And if our, we have secondary guys like Mosley that respond, that makes bringing Verrett back less likely, even if he does get healthy. Uh, personally, I would like Verrett to come back at some point. You don't want him ending a season, um, whether he stays with the Niners or not, regardless, uh, the way that he did. And nobody wants to go out that way, and I hope that he gets an opportunity to kind of reclaim some of that confidence. Now, if Mosley plays bad, which I don't think he will, I, I think he's going to answer the call, and it's interesting. Somebody put up on a comment um, on YouTube, which I thought was awesome. Odell Beckham and Emmanuel Mosley are almost identical as far as metrics, Height, weight, length, speed, agility, all those things. Mostly actually was a better athlete as far as combine numbers than Beckham. But they are, they're copy and pasted. They're about the exact same person. So we'll have to see how he plays. He is an undrafted free agent. Um, he was last year, so he was, it wasn't drafted. But he has played very, very well. Now, if he plays bad, I do believe Jimmy Ward is the next one to go in over there. Um, if that still doesn't work, then I think you look at DJ Reed. Um, if that doesn't work, then it's Dante Johnson time, and it's just going to be sadness from the Chapman experience. As soon as he goes in, I'm just going to like kill like a half flask of whiskey. I'm telling you right now. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, John Chapman, who should the Niners re-sign first? Sorry it's early, but no. The cap is huge moving forward. The 49ers don't have a lot of cap space going forward. Personally, I want to reward the locker room for being the way that it is, and I think that starts with DeForest Buckner. Um, get him his deal. Now, obviously, George Kittle is huge, and the quicker you can get him to an extension, that is very, very important. But Buckner, um, he should be the guy personally. So those are your two priorities, Buckner and Kittle. After that, we could deal with whatever. But I do not want to give any money out to anybody because those are the two most cornerstone pieces that we have on this team. And I truly do believe that whenever a team rewards those guys, everybody else has this mentality, oh, they take care of their own. These are guys that were drafted and developed and have constantly produced on some very bad teams. You do that, it builds morale. And the 49ers locker room is one of the best in the NFL right now. And, you know, we could, with Stefan Diggs or Jalen Ramsey or Antonio Brown, all these new, hey, should the 49ers get this guy? The answer is always, yeah, you should, but what's the cap? And two, will this be detrimental to morale on the team? And with these two guys, if you extend them, that morale will be increased. So um, take that for what you want. Now, here we go. Would you rather have Ward start at free um, over more, I would not. Not yet. Uh, I, I think that I want to see Tarvarius more if he can improve because from a passing standpoint, he's been great. However, from <laughs> his, his pursuit angles and tackling, it's been rough. So we want to see that get improved. 
but we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, no, I personally, I want more to be out there, but you've got a short leash at your free safety, and you've got a short leash at your right cor- leash at your right corner. And one of those guys starts getting suspect, or confidence starts to shake. You throw Jimmy Ward in there, and this is what Jimmy's role Jimmy's role should be. Jimmy Ward on this defense. I don't think he should be a starter ever. I really don't. I think he is the guy that comes in, um, kind of your sixth man in basketball, to adjust with when you need it. People are going to have bad games. So whenever that happens, I want to see him jump in there. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Come through and watch uh, the beatdown with L.A. next week. Oh, yeah. I I am taking the entire Chapman clan out to uh, the game here in L.A. next week. We got our tickets just a few days ago. So really, really excited about that. We'll be out there uh, supporting all the Niners gear we got uh really excited about that so uh maybe we can figure out a way to meet up before the game somewhere and have a couple beers uh that'd be a lot of fun but uh, we'll deal with that next week after we get this um after we get this win john do we have any special teams advantage yes we do big time special teams advantage in every single phase of the game kicking punting uh both not close our coverage unit is one of the best in the nfl and that's one of the things that's different about the 49ers I would not take any, um, whether that's the offensive groups. I think the 49ers have the advantage. I think we're much more of a complete team because of the offensive line. I would not take the defensive group, even though their defensive line is great, and Miles Garrett's probably the best player on either team, whatever, uh, on a defensive side. Fine with that. That's fine. I prefer I prefer the 49ers' defense. We have so much more depth and top-tier talent. Our linebackers are great. Our defensive line is great. Our secondary, we're missing one part. You could say whatever you want about the free safety, but I'd prefer both of our safeties to theirs. Um, and then our special teams. I, I don't think that's close. Probably the biggest gap between these two teams is special teams. And those are those hidden um, yardage from punt teams and all that kind of stuff. And also much more accurate. You know, We saw how important the kicker is Thursday night with the Seattle Seahawks versus the Rams. And the Rams probably should have won that game, but Zerline, who's been one of the best, he missed a kick at the end that would have put their team in the, in the win column. So uh, it's it's interesting. But, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Special teams does play a huge role, and the 49ers have an advantage there. I, I really do think it's across the board. So let's jump into the offense now for the Browns, and let's talk about their strengths and weaknesses. All right, so here's the deal and I've already said this before the offense of the Browns is skill positions a plus they are building a fantasy football team that is their goal and they're good at it um, now outside of that there's not a lot to talk about besides only one lineman and that's Joel Batonio their guard he is great he's one of the best offensive lineman in the entire NFL uh, he was a tackle that transitioned they moved him in to guard out of Nevada I was really really high on this kid he is he's been wonderful now their weaknesses Baker Mayfield and I get everybody wants to talk about how man Baker which should have been rookie of the year he shouldn't have been but uh was he the best quarterback last year out of the rookie class yes he was uh, no doubt about that but he holds the ball way too long, and he's not an anticipation thrower. He wants to wait till he sees it, and he was the same way in Oklahoma, and then let it go. And because of that, he uh, Pro Football Focus has attributed him with four sacks as his fault because he holds the ball way too long. He feels he can scramble around and make plays, but the problem is uh, with that offensive line, you really can't do that. He's always been the best athlete on the field in college, not the same thing at the NFL level. 
Offensive line is a huge weakness, okay? I'll go through three players that we are going to exploit big time. Eric Cush, their right guard, he's allowed 11 pressures. Justin McCroy, right tackle, and Chris Hubbard, right tackle, they've both kind of been trading in and out. 10 pass uh Pressures allowed. Greg Robinson, you know, the former number two overall pick out of Baylor, went to the Rams. He's bounced around. He's their left tackle, but he hasn't been healthy. Um, he's allowed six pressures and five penalties in limited snaps. So these are the guys that are going to stop DeForest Buckner, D. Ford, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead. I don't think so. It's going to be a sloppy, sloppy game. Um, with big explosives. So um, I don't see a whole bunch of long, methodical drives from either side. I really, really don't. I think it's going to be three and out with a sack or a turnover or a 60-yard touchdown. This It's, it's going to be weird. Um, now their scheme, very simple. It, I went into this game thinking, all right, let's see what Freddie Kitchens has done. You know, He's been this offensive kind of guy under Bruce Arians and all this stuff. So vanilla. Um, there's a lot of kind of misdirection trick plays in the passing game, but their offensive scheme is uh, the whole time I was like, man, this is a Kyle Shanahan light system. It's almost copy and pasted from what Kyle Shanahan does, but without all the wrinkles to create mismatches. They do a lot of 11 and 12 personnel. Uh, the first number is how many backs, and the second number is tight ends. So 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, or 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. Chubb is the key to their running game and their passing game. He is amazing in pass protection. So you have their offensive line, which is very, very bad. But Chubb steps up very often to bail out Baker Mayfield. So whenever he's out there, you can't really get a good feel for if it's a pass or if it's a run play just by their personnel groupings. You can't. And with Dontrell Hilliard's probably going to be out there third down back, Chubb's going to play probably 95% of the snaps. Uh, zone blocking scheme, as I said, but again, very, very simple. It's It's not very difficult to read. They don't really uh, do a lot of pre-snap stuff to set up uh, better blocking angles, which I, I don't think their coach knows how to do. And their passing routes, it's all rub and pick routes. So again, again excuse me, it's going to go back to a lot of penalties, which they've been called for a lot of times, uh, offensive pass interference, things like that. It's going to happen again. Now, as far as their tendencies on the offensive side, they love to run it up the gut. That is what they are known for. So, for example... Um, out of 93 rush attempts so far, 39 have been up the A-gaps, which is on each side of the center. They want to go right up the middle. Fine with me. You want to run it right at DeForest Buckner? Have a great time. <laughs> I'm hoping that DJ Jones gets as many snaps as possible. Um, I I would not be shocked if DJ Jones had um, his record for most snaps in a game this week. I hope that that is the case because I think he's our best run uh, gap defender on the inside. If that's where they're going to attack, uh, Sheldon Day should not get that many snaps. Personally, my own opinion, maybe he balls out, but he gets moved way too often versus the run. Um, so they either run it up the A-gap or off tackle. So again, if you look at um, to either side, uh, four out of six of their rush touchdowns have been off the tackle. The other two have been up the middle. 24 out of 93 of their rush attempts have been off tackle. So it's right up the middle or it's outside. Up the middle, outside, up the middle, outside. That's kind of what they do. They're not a big B or C-gap kind of pressing things, but that, that's just who they are. Now players to watch out for, the two key ones, Odell Beckham Jr., 
You could talk all you want about how he only had two catches last week. Well, the main reason why is because they put Earl Thomas over the top of Odell Beckham on every damn play. The Ravens did. And they just said, this guy won't beat us. So what happened? Chubb and Jarvis Landry beat them. Both of them went bananas. But Odell Beckham, make no mistake, is a top three at worst wide receiver in this in this league. He is very, very special. Um, Chubb has forced 12 missed tackles and has 231 yards after contact. So if we do not make tackles, uh, I, I'm looking at you, uh, Fred Warner, and I'm looking at you, Tarvarius Moore. You got to call them out, man. If they play well, we're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. Players to exploit, Baker Mayfield, he's so turnover prone. I talk about how he leads the NFL in interceptions with six, 14 interceptions last year, eight career fumbles, only 59% completion percentage. Baker Mayfield can extend and make huge plays, but he is not a consistent drive-sustaining quarterback. He is a uh, Madden 10-year-old Madden player that wants to go for the deep ball all the time. So we'll just have to see what happens there. Now, before I get into my predictions, I want to jump back to the chat. Sorry, I was a little long-winded there. Uh, get to just a couple of the uh, questions that have come through here. Let's see here. Um, how will the buy affect us? It's going to be great. The buy week is going to be great. And here's why. We had 15 days to prepare for this game. They had six. Uh, sorry, they had seven. Um, that's huge. We needed it. We had a lot of guys that were kind of banged up that weren't quite sure how they'd respond. Those guys are better now, so that's huge. Um, with Fred Warner being picked on, what can we do to, uh, scheming-wise to help him? We did this a little bit last week, or in week three, because the goal of the Steelers was to get James Conner matched up with um, Fred Warner in the pass game. Fred Warner's great versus the run. He's suspect at best versus the pass game, which is crazy because out of BYU, uh, the all the claims was, man, this guy's going to be killer in the passing game. But he's allowed like a 90% catch rate through three weeks. Hopefully he gets better, but he's got to do something. Uh, so what they did is they cross-keyed a lot of times. So whenever they would motion and they would have like a tight end lined up in front of Quan, and then the running back or uh, would be lined up with Warner, and that's what it would look like it do, they would just cross key, and they would say, look, Warner, you're staying on the blocking tight end regardless of positional alignment for James Conner. Um, curious to see if they do the same thing here with Chubb because, again, there's not a receiving threat at the tight end position this week with David and Joku out. So regardless of what's going to happen defensive schematic-wise, who the Mike or Will is, those are interchangeable uh, roles with Quan and Fred Warner. The pass game responsibility is going to be Nick Chubb versus Quan Alexander. If the defense is allowed to do that, regardless of alignment or pre-snap motion, uh, this is going to be key. So uh, you keep your best on their best. Um, and if we can do that, then Fred Warner is going to be just fine. But if Fred Warner is isolated straight up in pass coverage and uh, through the screen process and all those things, versus uh, Nick Chubb, I don't like that. That scares the hell out of me. But from a defensive standpoint, you can scheme against that. You do have to put yourself a little bit out of gap integrity, and your running lanes are going to be kind of crossed up with your passing lanes. But it's something that we've done before. We saw it a little bit last week. So I'm hoping uh, we get a little bit more of that. Um, will back-to-back -back travel uh, games affect the Browns? It sure as hell should. That is not easy. Now, they are going from Baltimore to Santa Clara 
Now, they do get the extra day from Sunday game to a Monday night game, but that is still very taxing on the body. Um, it, it's it's very, very difficult to win back-to-back road games, let alone uh, going coast-to-coast. Coast. But they did have a lot of time between that. Um, will Jordan Matthews have an effect on the game? Talked about this earlier, Joey. Yeah, I, I think that he will. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the um, kind of fourth or fifth most snaps at the wide receiver position. I see. I could see Kendrick Bourne or... Um, Richie James getting less snaps. Let's see here. How do you feel about Chris Sims said about the Browns OC versus Shanahan's? I did not see this quote, but I'm assuming Chris Sims said uh, Kyle Shanahan is the much better guy. Him and Shanahan are like former roommates. Uh, they love each other. Uh, I'm not the biggest Browns OC guy. Um, I'm not a Freddie Kitchens fan. Uh, Personality-wise, scheme-wise, play-calling-wise, I, I just no. Um, just just no. <laughs> so let's jump in now to my predictions and keys. Here we go. Vegas has it at a four-point spread, and I am saying that it's funny. This is the point that I, I put this out there right before the spread changed. I have 28-24, to 24, 49ers win. I do not predict that the 49ers will win every game. Not that guy. But I do think we are the better team. As I said, across all three phases, I think we are the better team. Now, a lot of turnovers. I think there's going to be five total turnovers in this game, and I don't think that that determines who will win. Uh, as we've seen before with the 49ers, we can win the game and lose the turnover battle, which is um, just absolutely against everything that's happened in the NFL before. But uh, this team is dynamite whenever it comes to total yards put up and defensive yards uh, not allowed. So because of that, I think that we could still get by losing the turnover differential. Uh, the offensive MVP is going to be George Kittle. He's going to go off, I think, uh, the minimums. These are minimums that I'm putting on here. Seven catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown. My bookie won't allow you to bet anything under those numbers because they just expect him to go off. Um, so defensive MVP, I've got it narrowed down to two guys. And let me explain each one of these why I think this is the case. Nick Bosa or Richard Sherman. Now, here is... The formula that I have for the winning uh, whatever, seven is the number I'm looking for. Now, what does this seven number mean? Here's the deal. Each sack is worth one point. Each interception is worth two points. If we get seven total points out of those two statistics, I think we win. So, for example, if we get two turnovers, that's four points, and three sacks, that's seven. I think we got it. I really, really do. We've got to hit Baker Mayfield. We've got to force turnovers. I don't care what they do to our offense. We're going to put up points. I'm not worried about our offense. Yes, they're going to get pressure on the quarterback. Yes, they're probably going to cause turnovers. I don't care. We are going to be able to put up points on the offensive side, which we have shown week in and week out. If our defense can force some misconstrued stuff with them, then I think we win. I think that we are getting to the point where we're that good on offense that we will be able to scheme and take advantage of a weaker personnel group on the back end that we're going to be able to put up enough points. I don't know if they can put up that many points against us. I do think that we clear the over, though. Obviously, I have a uh, 52 points total game. Uh, the over-under is 46.5. I did bet the over this week on my bookie, so... 
you know, if you want to head over there and bet with me, that's what I've put up there. Uh, that's kind of how I see it. But um, anyway, we'll be back very, very soon. Man, Monday night, I will be doing a live episode afterwards. It's going to be a late Monday night, but that's okay. Uh, so please make sure that you hit the bell on YouTube, Twitch now, um, or Periscope, Twitter, wherever. Make sure um, you hit the notification bell so when we go live, you don't miss it. And I will be back with you guys in two days. Enjoy the rest of Sunday football and Saturday football. And as always, stay strong, faithful. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.